The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the available lines ahead of the college basketball tournament on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsibility responsible gaming resources. Michael Kist. Are you caught me not listening again? Benjamin Solak. You never listen! It's the Kist and Solak Show. Presented by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. You are flying high on the Kist and Solak Show. This is episode 176, brought to you by the fine folk at SB Nation and Bleedy Green Nation. I am your host, Michael Kist. Follow me on Twitter at MichaelKistNFL. That's K-I-S-T, as always. Joined by the best doggone co-host in the game, Mr. Nine-Year Streak Without a Bad Day. He is... Wow. Wow, forgetting my name must be the (laughs) offseason. It's so infrequent that we get to do this, Ben. Now, I blame you. Wow. He's Benjamin Solak. Follow him on Twitter, at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K. Ben, sorry about that. How you doing, brother? Every day is a good day to be alive. That's good. Life is delicious. Fantastic. Life is a dream. I have a question for you. Yeah, go. Actually, no, I don't have a question for you. I have a question for the listeners. Oh, boy. Okay? I have in my calendar tomorrow, Wednesday, March 11th, an event scheduled for the whole day. And the title is, it's on my personal calendar, the title is Betray Michael. <laughs> That's right. I saw that. Yeah. And I think probably like years ago or like last year or something, at some point I like threatened, you know, generally like loosely, like emptily, that I was going to betray you at some point and that I put it on my calendar in the future. I remember this. Yes. But I don't remember why. Why? Yeah. So my my request and my challenge and my ask of the gentle listeners, if you've been a long time kissed and so actual listener, flex your memory, flex your your allegiance over time, your loyalty. Why am I betraying Michael tomorrow? Because <laughs> I don't remember what motivated me to do this. All I know is it was important enough for me to schedule it in like 2020. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it was like 2018 we did this. So if anybody remembers, please let me know. But just an FYI, Mike. Tomorrow, betrayal is inbound. It was either on the pod or on Twitter. You're like, I'm going to get you back for this, but not right now. I'm going to I'm gonna set this. Re- like, I, I, I very distinctly remember From that. From Benjamin Solak, betray. <laughs> so we'll find out on that. Let, let, let's talk some quick news that we just saw. Of course, we're going to get into the NFL offseason schedule, franchise tag, CBA, what it all means and everything like that. But as we were prepping for this show, we noticed that the Browns have released linebacker Christian Kirksey. He missed most of last year on injury reserve with a torn pec that he played like part of week two and then went down with that injury. But he is a guy who's I I had watched in 2017 and I was telling you before the show, love, 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 love his tape. 
So maybe that's an option for the Eagles to bring in to kind of fill out their linebacker group. Of course, to hear Whitehead also released from the Raiders. There's connection with the Eagles there as well. If it's a choice for me, I don't care if Kirksey missed like the entirety of last season. Uh, it's Kirksey for me all day because, I mean, the, the skill in coverage is night and day between the two. Ben, what about you? Does that interest you at all with Kirksey? Talking about the, the development here for Christian Kirksey. Christian Kirksey was a third round pick out of Iowa, I believe, in 2014. Um, and Kirksey was not initially going to be a starter for the Browns, but he got some roles uh, due to injury and due to the gunning of the roster during the Sashi Brown era, right? Kirksey became their Mike linebacker. Uh, this was when they were, uh, was it Chudzinski or I, is that too early? It's impossible to remember all the Browns turnover. <laughs> anyway, he was a, he was an inside backer in a three, four, and he was just running, shooting and hitting. He is a good athlete. Uh, out of Iowa, which is not a regular thing for an Iowa linebacker, but he was a good athlete and had good instincts. 2015, 2016, really call, uh, quality stuff. I think 2016 was when he like led the league in tackles or something. Yeah. But he was a smaller dude. He wasn't super active in press coverage. He was quality, but he wasn't like amazing. And he was just kind of like cleaning up some trash in the 3-4. After 2016 and into 2017, from the 2017 season on, if memory serves, he, he dealt with injury and his play... Not necessarily fell off, but the system in which he was most successful left, and he didn't necessarily have the same clout in the 4-3. He didn't necessarily have the same, like, the coaching staff wasn't as invested in him, right? So in 2016, yeah, he starts 16 games, has 148 tackles, 11 behind the line of scrimmage, 7 quarterback hits. In 2017, the numbers are pretty similar. He actually has more passes defense, more sacks, the tackle numbers go down, and the TFL numbers go down. And then 2018, he loses half the season to injury. 2019, he loses almost the whole season to injury. So the coaching staff changed a little bit. And then injury kind of took him out of the rotation. Yeah. Obviously, last year, the Browns selected in the second round, Sion Takitaki out of BYU, and in the fifth round, Mac Wilson out of Alabama. They have two young linebackers that they like. They're letting Joe Schobert walk, as we understand. And listeners of the pod, if you remember one of the previous Kiss and Select shows, I'm a big fan of Joe Schobert. I yeah. think he's the man. Kirksey's also a good ball player. I don't think Kirksey is going to be necessarily the most outstanding game-changing you know incredible you know long-term starter linebacker when he signed the extension with the browns in 2017 it was four years 38 million uh so it was nine and a half per which was a pretty solid deal but it wasn't necessarily like market setting or anything like that i still yeah. don't think he's market setting but he's a good veteran option which is more so the eagles sweet spot right like they're more likely to go after a Christian Kirksey or like a Tahir Whitehead or a Nick Kwiatkowski or whatever mm. than they are to go after a Corey Littleton or a whatever the frick his name is, Joe Schobert, because those guys are the bigger money dudes. Yep. So Kirksey is more so in the range we expect them to attack at the position. And he's a really likable player. Like I certainly like him more than Tahir Whitehead and Nick Kwiatkowski. And like, I think Kevin Pierre-Lewis is probably like a, a stock down or whatever. Patrick Wuwasor, right? Like I like him more than those guys. I think he's got better press or a pass coverage ability. So Kirksey being cut, I'm interested in. I think he's a likely Eagles target who I would be okay with versus like, I would love Joe Schober. I would love Corey Littleton. I just don't think they're going to go after him. Yeah, I agree. I'm 100% on board with that. So that takes care of that. We are on board with Kirksey. And let, let's kind of look at the offseason schedule here as we approach free agency. We should have comp picks revealed either while we record here uh, early Tuesday or shortly after. If we miss it, we apologize. I'm going to keep an eye out for it as we talk here. But that'll be detailed as well when it drops on PlentyGreenNation.com. And I'm sure Jimmy Kemsky, the comp king, and Brandon Lee Gowton will have a full breakdown of that on BGN Radio this week as well. So you won't be missing much. Uh, we also have the franchise tag 
period coming up uh, per Adam Schefter. The deadline for that has been extended from March 12th to uh, next Monday, March 17th. So that comes with a new set of intrigue, which we'll talk about in a second. But beyond that, there is less than a week remaining until legal tampering for free agency, uh, which is March 16th at noon. Two days after that, 4 p.m. March 18th is the official open of free agency where things can become final. We'll get the schedule uh, reveal for the 2020 NFL season in a little over a month. And right after that, of course, at the end of April is the NFL draft. Looking at the most pressing date, the the franchise tag here, uh, we don't expect the Eagles to tag anybody. And just looking around the league, nothing is official yet. But the rumor tag so far, uh, some of the guys will just run through Yannick Ngakwe, the Jaguars, Chris Jones of the Chiefs, Justin Simmons of the Broncos, as they continue to work out a deal. Uh, the Steelers are probably going to be taking edge rusher and former first round pick Bud Dupree. They'll put a tag on him. Took him a little while to develop, but put up double-digit sack numbers this year. Matt Judon of the Ravens should be tagged. The Chargers should probably tag uh, tight end Hunter Henry, who would get a lot of interest if he hit the market. A.J. Green is going to get the Bengals, put the cuffs on him, but it's not so bad with Joe Burrow on the way. Ben, you have your hand up. Please go ahead. We should call him the Comptroller. The Comptroller, Jimmy Kempsey? Yeah. I love that. (laughs) It's a job, but also comp, but also troll. And it's also about managing finances. Fantastic, Ben. Thank you for that contribution. We're <laughs> yes. going to roll with that. I wanted to say it like more immediately after you said Comp King, but you just really kept talking. So eventually <laughs> I had to be like, this joke's not going to work. It's going to be like two minutes later. <laughs> so Jimmy, the Comptroller, Kemsky. I love it. Please resume talking about franchise tags. According to Jenna Lane of ESPN, uh, league sources expect Washington guard Brandon Scherf to be tagged. Uh, the 49ers want Eric Armstead back. They're going to be working on a deal with him. If it's not done, they'll probably tag him. Shaquille Barrett broke out last year, and Tampa Bay likely does uh, everything they can to retain his services. And of course, there's Dak Prescott. Uh, Rumor is he was offered something in the neighborhood of $33 million per year, uh, and then the guaranteed money was something around like 105 guaranteed, which is slightly less than Jared Goff's contract that may have gone up recently from what I've seen as they try to get this done. But the tag is coming if they can't come to an agreement, no doubt about that. The extension for the tag to March 17th will also help the Cowboys understand what they can do with Amari Cooper, because if the players vote no on the CBA on Sunday, from my understanding, Saturday on Saturday, there you go. Dumb, dumb, bad co-host. Sorry, go ahead. (laughs) They'll hypothetically be able to franchise Dak and also use the transition tag on Amari. That transition tag would be for 120% of his $13.9 million fifth-year option salary, which would put him at six, oh, really? Yeah, $16.7 million. So if they go that route, they go tag Dak, transition Cooper, and you throw in Ezekiel Elliott's cap hit of I think it's like near $11 million, you're talking about roughly $61 million total, which is roughly 30% of their total cap which is a lot. So that all gets thrown out if the players vote yes on Saturday, I believe, uh, as they'd only be able to use one tag. Am I understanding all of that correctly? Yeah, ben? yeah. Cool. So so the, every year, teams have a franchise tag and a transition tag. Mm-hmm. And there's two different varieties of the franchise tag. There's an exclusive tag and there's a non-exclusive tag. All right? Three tags. Exclusive franchise, non-exclusive franchise, transition. Every year, we have those available. But we can only use one. Right. So if we if we uh, apply the franchise tag to Dak and they'll probably use the non-exclusive franchise tag, which is like 26 million per, mm-hmm. uh, then they can't uh, transition tag anybody else. They can't exclusive tag anybody else because they only have one tag available to them in the final year of a CBA, which the current CBA expires after the 2020 season. 
So 2020, the league year 2020, will be the final year of the current CBA. In the final year of a CBA, you have both a franchise tag and a transition tag available to you. You may use both. Only time you'd be able to do so. So the Cowboys are, are nicely positioned with all these contracts expiring in the you know, they're, 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 these players are entering free agency in 2020, so they can be tagged in 2020. They're in a good position to use both tags. They would apply the franchise tag to Dak, again, around $27 million for the non-exclusive franchise tag. And then they would transition tag Cooper, which, like Mike said, you know, the, the, the cost is calculated a couple of different ways. For Cooper specifically, it would be 120% of his fifth-year option, so $16.2 million. All the difference between a transition tag and a franchise tag is... Both players can be offered contracts by other teams up until like the July deadline. The Cowboys have the right to match those offers, both the transition tag and the future and the franchise tag. But in the event that they don't match a transition tag, they get nothing in return. Hmm. Player goes, signs with the other team, done. Right. In the event that they don't match a franchise tag offer, they get two first round picks in return. Okay. So that's the only difference. If there is no CBA ratified before the franchise tag deadline, which got pushed back to Monday, I believe yeah. Adam Schefter just reported. Uh-huh. Then when the, 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 CBA, uh, the, the CBA is voted on, the players say no. There's no new CBA. 2020 is going to be the final year of the current CBA. The Cowboys will very likely franchise Prescott and try to maybe sign a Cooper to a long-term deal, but just transition tag him. Yeah. And then they'll have both for 2020. And then when the cap goes through the roof under the new CBA next year, They'll sign both the long-term deals. Yeah. In the event that the CBA is ratified, the, the Cowboys lose the ability to use that transition tag because they're certainly going to be franchising Dak. Oh, it's almost positive at this point. Right. They're not going to get a long-term deal with him. Dak's going to force them to franchise tag him. Right? And why would you? Okay, 27, $27 million, $26 million, not as much as $33 million, but allows you to go hit the market again. Mm -hmm. Quarterback contract's only going to go up. If you can get Patrick Mahomes to sign his offer with the Chiefs before you sign, if you're Prescott, you're a genius, yeah. right? So they're going to long game this. You franchise Prescott, you cannot transition to Agamari. So then they will only have, boom, that very small window of, oh, shoot, the CBA got ratified. We need to sign Amari before March 18th, before the league year opens. <laughs> Where if they don't get him signed, he's going to hit free agency. So there's an opportunity here. If the CBA is ratified, is signed by the players, a ton of leverage goes into Cooper's camp because the Cowboys will no longer have the ability to transition tag him. So that's what we're looking at in that scenario. Also, outside of that specific news, good job covering that, Ben. Marshall Yonda, great guard for the Ravens, has decided to hang him up after a great career 13 season, eight Pro Bowls. So that's all of your your news update for today. We covered the Kirksey, the Kirksey thing, the tag Kirksey. thing, the Dak and Amari thing. We got to talk about some Eagles things in the second half of the show. And that's what we're going to do right after this. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. 
And we are back here on the Kist and Solak Show, episode 176. Michael Kist with Benjamin Solak. We got SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation bringing it to you. So we were talking about the franchise tags, and, and, and a lot of those guys, or some of those guys anyway, some of them are are going to be like tag and trade type deals. Like Yannick Ngalkwe of the Jaguars has stated that he's not interested in a long-term deal with the Jaguars. So they Which could, I should say for the record, yeah. I'm also not interested in being signed to a long-term deal with the Jaguars. I'm interested in trading you to someone else. Just like they did with who? Who, they, who are they doing that with? Al Michaels. Al Michaels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, which NBC <laughs> turned down the deal. I got the the like oh, the really? ESPN push notification. Yeah, NBC has turned down the ESPN <laughs> offer for Al Michaels. Calm down, ESPN. Turn down. This isn't real. Anyway. <laughs> With those tag and trade situations, that's something to keep an eye on as well. But speaking of trades, up on BleedingGreenNation.com, there is talk of the Eagles trading three names. Alshon Jeffrey, and then cornerback Sidney Jones and Rasul Douglas. Now, we know that the Eagles would be taking a hit with Jeffrey. I'll reiterate that I'm 100% all for shipping off Jeffrey to the Himalayas so he can be tagged and tracked like a bull snow leopard by a National Geographic camera crew. Ben, I know I you- wasn't ready for that to be the metaphor. <laughs> Ben, I know you've bucked against this idea like an idiot. Um, we don't have to get into the too far in the weeds on this. This has been well covered on this feed. Uh, but I, I do want to make sure that you're still like standing strong on your stance that the Eagles shouldn't trade Jeffrey. Is that where you're still at? I don't want to either give a pick or spend money to not have a football player. <laughs> That's fundamentally not a good situation for me. Yeah. Acknowledged, Jeffrey's not as good as he used to be. Jeffrey, very, 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 very likely leads to some problems in the locker room. Easiest solution to some of those problems? Trade them. No. Yes. That's not, I mean, like, okay, I guess that's not necessarily a solution so much as it is, like, removing Jeffrey entirely. Yeah. The easiest way to get, you know, Alshon and Carson's relationship back on track? Play better on offense. Like, we've, we've said it before, winning good offense solves a lot of problems. Should they go on a week-long hunting trip together and really just bomb? What they should do is not lose you know, four games in the middle of the season that they shouldn't lose. What they should do is not target Nelson Aguilar, who's not going to be there anymore, in the red zone when you have Alshon Jeffrey, right? Here, here, like, here's here's what I'm worried about. Hmm. The Eagles are going to keep Jeffrey. He's going to get banged up again. And everybody's going to be really furious that they're paying him to be banged up. Yes. The alternative is paying somebody else to take him. And then you don't have Alshon Jeffrey for six games, eight games, ten games, whatever it is. And objectively having Elshon Jeffrey is better than not having Elshon Jeffrey. It's important to note, like, we all think that, like, oh, the Eagles are going to, like, trade away Jeffrey, sign Amari Cooper, draft Henry Ruggs, draft <laughs> Jalen Rager in the second. Like, That's it's right. not going to be the case, right? Like, listen, <laughs> if you don't like J.J. Arthur Whiteside, if the Eagles trade away Jeffrey, guess who's going to get some snaps? I think Whiteside. Yeah. Right? The Eagles wide receiver room is very thin, and they're not going to be able to address it the way that a lot of people think they're going to. So, I don't know. I would rather... If, if, if there's no way I can get fully out from under the contract because anybody I trade into is going to want me to pay some of it. I'm right. positive. Yeah. And then I also think the trade value returned is really not going to be great. It's not like they're going to give you the third round pick. You need to draft Courtney Davis, Colin Johnson. No, you're, you're going to get a fifth or a sixth and you're yeah. not really going to be able to get a starting receiver with that. It's not a good contract. It's not a good situation. Sometimes you have to swallow it. And to me, I think swallowing it and, and and hoping that you're able to get the passing game back on track a little bit, not dig yourself into a hole, not have to win five games to end the season to get into the playoffs. I guarantee you, Alshon's going to have less to complain about than Justina Anderson if offense is humming. 
leave it there. Disagree on every single point. We'll see how it Sounds plays good. out. <laughs> what about the other two guys? Uh, Sidney Jones or Rasul Douglas? Do they present any kind of trade value, number one, to you outside of like some sort of late round compensation? And would you even want to trade them for that value? Because I, for one, cannot quit, won't quit. Sydney Jones. I just can't. I won't do it. Oh man, I've I've been quitting Sydney Jones from the beginning. We all it's we, really I mean, we, we've been quitting him several times, right? It's such a weird career arc, man. Like struggled last year with his confidence, and the coaches similarly struggled having any confidence in him. But like he makes a few plays at the end of the year, a couple of them coming off cold off the bench. He, to made, help the he Eagles. made like two plays, and everybody lost their minds. That's what I said. That's what I said. It's really funny. Huge I like plays. I look back. They saved look, the Sydney Jones saved the season. Shut up, Ben. Sydney Jones okay. saved this season, along with Carson Wentz and, and some other guys and a lot of different things happened there. But cold off the bench, like, I really think, like, there's that glimmer of hope that, like, those those couple of plays that obviously meant so much to him, like, is that the potential turning point in his career? I don't know, but, like, I'm so interested to find out. Even if it's not, like, Philadelphia, like, maybe a change of scenery would be good for him and that would help him. But I'm super interested in where his career goes from here. Sydney, I, I was thinking about this the other day. It's very odd to me that I've, like, turned into a supporter of Roseman's drafts when, like, <laughs> I didn't love the Sidney Jones pick. I didn't love the Darren Barnett pick. Right. Didn't love Sam Marlowe in the third. I wasn't that high on Carson. I was, like, I, I was fine with Carson in the first round. But, like, Carson wasn't my favorite quarterback in my draft. Didn't like Dillard in the first. Didn't really like Miles Sanders in the second. So I was, like, thinking about this the other day. Sidney was a good college player who's not been able to stay healthy at the NFL level, and you should not continue to pour any resources into him, any time into him, any development into him. If anybody will send you any pick for him, any player for him, I would take it. You think he's that easy to push out with the fact that the Eagles have, like, zero cornerbacks? That's that's kind of my thing. Like, how many cornerbacks can you really add? That gets Rasul Douglas onto the flipping field. There you go. Okay. I'm just, like, who's better, Sidney or Rasul? It's hard to tell. Who's Michael? <laughs> Michael. Who is better? Who was the top graded PFF cornerback on the you Eagles last year? You shut your mouth. <laughs> Michael. Honestly, I think um, Rousseau has showed more promise starting on the outside. <laughs> I think Rousseau has shown more. Who's better football player? I honestly don't know, dude. Like, I'm, I'm being That's serious bad with take. you. That's a bad take. Rousseau can't even start. Okay, so firstly, if the best ability is availability, which we always say around this time of year, <laughs> then Rousseau is markedly better. Number okay. One. Number two. Okay. Ta- taking availability had- into it, I'll lean Rasul. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. And Sidney Jones, for his credit, wildly unpredictable, shocking pass breakups in key moments last season. I will not take that away from him. Let's not forget that before those, he has done literally nothing. No, and not, not literally nothing. When he was healthy Michael. early 2018, he flashed just as much in those first three to four weeks than Rasul has throughout his career in the time that he got on the field. Has, did he not? He played really well those games. And then he got banged up. And then his confidence got shot. And then he got hurt again. And then his confidence was even more shot. It's been weird. What I'm saying is, it's it's not like a clear difference for me. I'll probably lean Rasul. So what are you saying right now? You would ship Rasul, you would ship Sydney for anything you could get for him and keep Rasul in that cornerback room. Is that what you're saying? Yes, okay. 100%. One of them is good. <laughs> and the other one has not been good. <laughs> I really hope Rasul is good too. You know I like him. You know I like the ball skills. Let the guy let the guy go and press and, and do what he does and give him some doggone playing time. I don't understand why it's taking so long. He should have a, a prime opportunity now unless the Eagles go out and spend like a, either premium money in free agency for like a Byron Jones 
and or, you know, a, a veteran like a Prince of Mukamara and then adding like a second guy out of one of those, like a, a top draft pick, he should have plenty of opportunity to go get himself a job. And it will continue to be weird to me if the Eagles don't let him start on the outside, if they don't spend too premium capital, either via free agency or the draft by letting him get on the field. Super weird. Ben's got nothing to add. Don't <laughs> yeah, what you want like, from me. What, what have we been saying for many a day? You can get you can give up yards. You can you which give us ball skills, give us turnovers, which Russell does. By the way, yeah. Every year, I tell myself I'm not going to overreact to the limited thirty in person visits that team have teams have with prospects, because as we know, and as I say every year, and I'll say this again, mostly to myself, it's not because they're interested in that player. It's because they're trying to finish the evaluation on that player in the event that he hits the free agent market in four years. They oh. need to have background info on him. They need to have medical info on him that they didn't get previously. They didn't get to meet with him at the combine. Whatever. Doesn't mean they're going to draft the guy. But if they are interested in a Meek Robertson, the Louisiana Tech corner, when they already have 29 and a half inch arms of Vontae Maddox on the roster. Right. And they already have Malcolm Jenkins in the slot. They already have Vontae in the slot. Uh-huh. They already have Jalen Mills, who should be a slot. They uh-huh. already have Sidney Jones, who should be a slot. Can we please get a corner who, like, is big enough to do a thing? <laughs> I swear. Like, can we get one with actual size? But, and hey, we do have our first news of an official 30 visit. Whoa! Amik Robertson, cornerback, Louisiana Tech. Let's talk about him because I actually just watched him recently. It, it's interesting because he is a smaller cornerback that will play nickel in the league, as Ben was alluding to there, at 5'8", 187 with just 30-inch arms. He did not run in the combine, so we're still waiting on those uh, on those results. Uh, while he was there, though, he met with over half the teams in the league, including the Eagles, and then they're going to follow up with a, with a visit. The interest in him is not a surprise. This is a guy with tremendous ball production, 14 career interceptions over the last three years. He's a flat-out dog of a player. I was watching his game against Texas, and I had a blast because – here is this little 5'8 dude, 187 pounds, giving the business to their 6'6", 245-pound tight end wide receiver convert. Also got all up in Colin Johnson's grill, who is 6'5", 222. He's given up 35 pounds there. Colin eventually got fed up with it and just like shoved him right off the line to release for a slant. And then Amik was in on the tackle. He ended up fumbling the ball and Amik is tripping and whatnot. Like he reminded me of a, of a chihuahua with a stegosaurus bone in his mouth. He's just a total joy to watch. And even though it was a bit of an up and down game, I know there was, there was a mental lapse in there. There was a coverage bust in there. It was a bit of a, a up and down game for him. You could see some limitations, but like as a day three target, Super competitive, di- super competitive guy really intrigues me. Uh, I-, I like his game, but you know, obviously, I think the interest should be in some some bigger corners. Ben, have you watched Amik, or is there any like day three corners out there that you think the Eagles should be uh, following up on? Day three corners? I mean, if you're not there yet, that's fine. I'm just saying. I didn't know if you watched Amik uh, yet today. No, so I did not watch Amik because I spent 20 minutes at Starbucks. <laughs> so that's on me. But no, so I I've seen Amik play. I have not done a final film on him. Okay. I can tell you from a size perspective, I don't think he's what the Eagles need. I think the Eagles need a corner who has size and downfield ball skills, which they lacked with Jalen Mills and they lacked with Ronald Darby. And certainly like, yes, big corners tend not to be as fast, but Christian Fulton ran a four, four, seven. He's six foot. Yeah. He's got 30 and five, five eight inch arms. Not huge, but it's fine. They also don't Please. need to be five, eight. <laughs> no Igbenogany. Ran a four four three. I like Igno and Agni. Six six foot, thirty one inch arms. Please, <laughs> I'm begging. Igno is interesting because he I, I thought he was going to stay for another year and be like a top pick. Right. 
but so you know right so so the paradigm for philadelphia is first round pick second round pick two-thirds ronald darby walking in free agency you have Jalen mills is a free agent those are your starters obviously Cindy jones and russell douglas still rostered you have the opportunity to change the prototype for your starter the position right now that would require sitting down and saying the way we've been addressing the corner position has not worked thus far, which a lot of evidence would point to that, but we've yet to really see the Eagles make a change in the deployment of their corners or whatever. So if the Eagles want to put their corners up close to the line of scrimmage and start taking away more of the quick game, then yeah, they're going to look more towards guys of Christian Fulton's mold and of Noah Igbenogany's mold, Fulton out of LSU, Igbenogany out of Auburn, because those guys have the requisite size, strength, technique to play in the press and then have the, the speed to be able to carry downfield, right? Like Rasul Douglas has the requisite size, strength to play in the press, but he doesn't have the speed to carry stuff downfield, which is why they try to protect him with off alignments. It doesn't work, but it's what they try to do, right? So you have that paradigm. If you have the, no, this is the, this is our mold for corners. Our corners are going to be sub six foot guys. They're going to be four, four guys, and we're going to play them in off and they're going to be quick and they're going to be uh, aggressive and, and, close downhill and be able to, to win in short zones and win in cover three zones with flat-footed reads, whatever. Well, then that's where you start looking more at players like Jeff Gladney out of TCU mm. and CJ Henderson out of Florida. If we're talking early round guys, we're getting later than it's Starnay Holmes, the kid out of UCLA. Yeah. I would say uh, Michael Ojemudie can probably do that. I would mm. want to put Ojemudie up at the line of scrimmage, to be honest. Amik Robertson can do that if you want to play him on the outside, but I don't think you want to play him on the outside. He's tiny. No, no. Troy Pride, the Notre Dame kid, can do that. So it depends on the mold that we're looking at, right? And it, it's interesting because when you, it's rare that you have both of your starting corners hit the free agent market, number one. And number two, it's rare to have both of your starting corners hit the free agent market, and nobody really wants either of them, which is the case <laughs> with Ronald Darby and Jalen Mills. So it goes to show you, like, the Eagles are, are in a situation that most teams aren't, where they could just, in one year, completely about-face how they draft the corner position and how they deploy the corner position. Mm-hmm. I'm just not sure that they will. So kind of the the if we get a feel for what corners they're interested in, it could tell us that they're changing how they deploy them. I think if you ask your guys to play more so in the line of scrimmage, you may already have one of your starters in Rasul Douglas, and that solves half of your problem for you. So let's say they go Rasul Douglas, and they add Byron Jones. Byron Jones should play on the line. Yeah. Byron Jones should not play off. He yep. can, but if you want to maximize him, you got to play him on the line. Yes, sir. So if they keep Rasul, sign Byron Jones, and draft a dude... To me, that looks like a, you're building corners to play up at the line of scrimmage. We kind of got to see who they draft, but that's what it looks like to me. So it's it's interesting because we really don't have a, okay, the Eagles have this body of corner on their roster, and we know they're going to start this guy, so whatever. We don't have that right now. And even if they just sign Byron, we still won't have it because Byron can do everything. He's a really talented dude. So the Eagles have an opportunity here to change the way that they've addressed a corner position that they have significantly failed on repeatedly hmm. over the course of Jim Schwartz's tenure here. So there's a chance they change it, but it's very, it's hard to have faith in a, in a, in a coaching staff to change the way they address the position. Corey Onlin's gone. Maybe the defensive backs coach is leaving. You see what there I'm talking go. about? Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, you've got the change in the defensive backs coach, and we'll see what they do with the quarterbacks. Let's kind of cross up some names, maybe, and maybe we'll go over some guys that I was watching this morning. I was watching some of the Utah defense today. So you've got cornerback Jalen Johnson uh, and then Terrell Burgess, the safety. So we'll go with DBs mm-hmm. here. I-, I see that in your rankings, Jalen Johnson is your ninth corner as it stands now. Burgess is your eighth safety, all subject to change, of course. I think I'm going to be a big Burgess guy. Uh, this is somebody I talked about with Mike Renner on the BJ and Draft specials. He was a big fan. John Ledger just got to his film. 
He loves him. Dane Brugler co-signed. I also think it's uh, uh, more likely that the Eagles would go after a guy like Burgess as opposed to a guy like Johnson, who I think he's going to be, like you kind of mentioned, and this may change, he's going to need to be tethered to the line because he's just awful in all coverage, in my opinion, and not very good overall. Maybe maybe I'll frame it that way, Ben. More likely to be drafted by the Eagles regardless of round. Terrell Burgess, the safety out of Utah, or Jalen Johnson, his teammate, the cornerback? Burgess, yeah. right? I, don't, I think, I mean, they might like Jalen because Jalen's got some mills to him in terms of like, I'm not huge, but I'm scrappy AF. And like, he's got, I think the ability to play off cover and, and, and sit and flat foot and close downhill and stuff and then be feisty in that way. That would be their round two pick at the earliest. I think they'd probably be more interested in like where they got Rasul. Cause he like, I think Rasul is as comparable player as well in terms of ball skills and physicality. I wouldn't hate Jalen Johnson at, at round two. I'd be fine with it in round three. Yeah. That again, like that kind of just depend on the prototype Burgess. Let me, let me, let me put it to you this way. Do you know Burgess's kind of background in terms of what he's done for Utah? Now, I know they play him a lot in the nickel. They play him a lot in the box, but he's also done some free safety stuff. Why doesn't he do more single high stuff? Cause I feel like he's a guy that the Eagles would trust to play in the nickel. And then when they have to rock and roll, he can go to, he can switch over to single high. Right. So if you, if you've been scouting Utah defensive backs for a while, Marcus Williams, 2016, Marcus Williams, 2017, right. who was 2016? the guy, who was the guy last year that played a bunch Marquise of overhang? Blair. Yeah. Blair played a bunch of overhang for him. Yeah. Right. Uh, Marquise Blair. So Mar- uh, Marcus Williams, Marquise Blair this year, Julian Blackman's coming out Terrell Burgess. These dudes spend a lot of time in their early seasons, freshman, sophomore year at corner. Mm. And I think Blair was a Juco guy. Uh, and he spent his first season like doing a lot more like nickel overhang stuff. And then his second season, they put him on the roof a lot more. So Utah seems to like to give guys cover experience. And then they grow into being able to play that single high role. Yeah. Because Utah throws their safeties around like you wouldn't believe, right? <laughs> they'll put three guys there, right? One on the one on the overhang, one over the slot, and one at single high. And then they'll rotate him and they'll kick him around and they'll adjust to motion and they let him fly around. So you need to be able to do a lot of stuff. So Burgess is a one-year starter, but he has like four years of experience. Right, because he was playing special teams every single year, and then he was showing up in defense in progressively more and more games in slot roles and in the box and filling in for injury and whatnot. Right, he plays one year, and they they have Julian Blackman, who they've moved to single high safety. Right, and he's struggling, and so Burgess progressively takes more and more of those reps and is just better than Blackman. Is. Okay, and Blackman was like a four star recruit at corner that they've been moving to safety, and I liked him better at corner. And so over the season, they just figured out, yo, twenty six can play. Like this, yeah. this, this, this guy's our solution, right? So he goes to the Senior Bowl. They list him at corner and play him at corner almost exclusively. Yeah, right. Which like why? Well, the league wants to get a feel for what Burgess can do in terms of being that potential combo player, nickel to box safety is going to be where he plays in the NFL. And it's yeah. funny because like 5'11", 202 is not box safety size. Usually those guys are bigger, but Burgess is feisty and he's yes. really instinctive. And, and so he really good against flows. the run, man. Like he, yeah, he yeah. Can... right. So he flows, right? So he's, he's super strong coming downhill. So like, if you remember last year, how much Mike and I liked Chauncey Garner Johnson out of Florida for where he played, box to nickel, yeah. for his size, because Chauncey was like, what, 5'11, 210? Yeah, right? a little bit thicker, so yeah. A little bit, 
little bit thicker than Burgess, but he wasn't, he wasn't that much bigger. Flew around like he had no care for his body whatsoever. Was super physical, super instinctive, super aggressive against the run, but then had enough quickness to man cover. That's the mold we're looking at for Burgess. Less reps, less experience, more mistakes, right? More uh, uber aggressiveness, not knowing when misdirection is coming, running himself out of position. Yes. Less comfort playing with his back to the ball. He doesn't play as, as much time, but this dude got more and more reps at more and more important positions across the course of the year. So if you're looking for, again, last year, if you remember, Mike and I were these big Chauncey Garner-Johnson fans. This was the guy who could potentially fill in Malcolm Jenkins' shoes. Burgess is that role as well. Mm. Play from the box to the slot. I love it. I love it. Yeah, and that's good, man. I was watching the Washington game, and I was like making, making notes, and my first three notes were all about him in run support. And I was all like, look at this guy sniff around. Nice tackle. nice Good flow. All this stuff like that. The run game has really stood out to me. Uh, watching his game, and then there's some really good coverage reps throughout his uh, his film too. There are some lapses, like you said, but overall, man, super fun tape. Uh, let's kind of go around. Maybe we'll go with safety. We'll talk more about safeties because I'm going to talk. Well, with let Eric. me ask you this. Yeah, yeah. Go so ahead. you like Burgess? Yeah. Have you watched Kayvon Wallace out of Clemson? I've watched a little bit. I I know that I liked him coming into the Senior Bowl, and I want to watch him more. I think he's a good player from what I've seen already. What if I told you I had Terrell Burgess? With better athleticism in a more complex offense or defense. Is that what you're saying he is? Because that, that's, I like so that. So <laughs> Burgess at 5'11", 202, we're going right off like combine stuff. Yeah. Ran a 4'4'6", delightful. Jumped 33 and a half in the vert, jumped 122 in the broad. Cool. 5'11", 206 for Kayvon Wallace, who ran a 4'5'3". So a half, uh, a five one hundredth of a second slower, right? Jumped 38 in the vert, jumped... 12 uh, 11 1 in the broad ran a three code in 676 mm, nice so the dude is super nifty came in bigger than i think a lot of us thought we were going to at the senior bowl into the combine he had a hammy during the senior bowl so he didn't really do anything during practices right he went he went to play the game and then he left the game i think yeah. you know the game because like he had it tweaked and he was just like not trying to get worse injured across the course of, of the senior bowl but then like i talk about this a lot Clemson's got Isaiah Simmons. Everybody loves Isaiah Simmons. Why do we love Isaiah Simmons? Because he can do everything, right? The thing about having a, a linebacker who can suddenly, you know, spin and go be a deep half safety, and then he can come up on the edge and he can blitz, and then he can go over the slot and he can cover tight ends, is you need other guys who can also do those things, not necessarily as well as versatile, but like when Simmons lines up at Mike and then he goes to be the deep half safety, well, you need a guy who was lined up as a single high safety and you know the offense still believed that was legit mm. to go be deep half or go rotate over number two you need like that like opposite reactive motion right you can't just have one dude who's versatile and then the other 10 dudes are in very basic roles because then the 11th <laughs> dude is just going to be in a basic role right yeah, yeah, yeah. you need to have somebody else who can do a lot of things and for for clemson that was Kayvon wallace and tanner muse right so they had three safeties that they just did literally everything with like i said similar to the Utah defense. Right. Kayvon Wallace was Terrell Burgess for the Utah defense. He didn't play at single high nearly as much. He spent more time over in the slot, which is Malcolm. So to me, if you're asking me, who do I want for the Eagles to draft to replace Malcolm Jenkins, Kayvon Wallace. Ooh, Climbed I, like it. It. I like him better than Burgess. I dig it. I'll have to get to some, because uh, I'm, I'm running through these safeties a little bit, so I'm going to have to get to him next because... He's a good ball player. Both you and Mike Renner mentioned him too when I yeah. talked with him. Now, about I will say, ignore the first quarter against Ohio State. Okay. Everything else. 
Man, all these players have their thing, man. Like, you know, yeah, uh, AJ Terrell's going to get knocked for the championship game. But other than that, I, I thought he had yeah, a like solid a lot, season. A lot of guys are on the wrong side of J.K. Dobbins' highlight film. That's just the reality <laughs> for Wallace. Sometimes you got to take the lump and move on. Yeah, Dobbins is a good football player, man. All right, let's talk um, like a, a quick would you rather here. Because I'm, I'm, I'm going to talk cornerbacks with Eric Crocker suit on one of the BGN draft specials. So we got plenty coming on that topic. But, Ben, you're sitting there at 21. The top three receivers are gone. C.J. Henderson, Christian Fulton, they're all gone. But Grand Delpit from LSU and Xavier McKinney of Alabama are available. I'm looking at your big board at the draftnetwork.com and you've got Delpit at 23. You've got McKinney at 24 right now. So they're tight. Yeah, because I'm a coward. That's why. <laughs> they're also just in the uh, right. Yeah, just pick your flavor. It's fine. J- just in the right range. Uh, would you take a swing on either? And if so, which one fits the I Eagles I don't want to answer this. Oh, boy. You're screwed. It's really hard. Here's so it's. Really I'll tell you what I'm doing. I'm doing. I'm doing McKinney, and I understand all the context with Delpit and his shoulder, and that led to some tackling issues and everything like that. I get that. I still also had more concerns about Delpit than I thought I would after even watching his really good 2018 film. I'm going with the smart guy. I'm going with McKinney. I think McKinney he's awesome. McKinney is the much safer pick. Yep. Delpit. I wrote about the biggest boomer bust guys in this draft. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, the Draft Network. And Delpit was like my last dude that I read about. You always save like the best guy for last. Yeah. Right? Delpit can play single high. And again, if you've listened to the Kiss and Swag show for a while, you know that to me, if a safety can play single high, I would kill you for him. I would just <laughs> kill Mike if you mean I could get a safety. Because I think like, a safety and not just play single high, have an impact from single high. Right. Ronnie McLeod plays single high. They don't have an impact. They don't really, you know, make pass breakups outside the numbers, right? That's very rarefied air. Delpit can do it because Delpit's wicked fast and has really good vision yeah that being said i don't like playing 10 on 11 against the run (laughs) right like (laughs) the last dude who like if i'm playing like too high yeah delpit is like the safety strong to the play side he's my alley runner he is my like and the strong side linebacker fits and the my side linebacker plugs the backside a and delpit comes down and makes the tackle in the alley like he's the dude if you can't tackle it's not that I don't care about you playing single high. I do. It's still awesome. But I just, I can't, I can't be giving up three explosive runs a game because you can't take a guy down in, in, in tight quarters, let alone yeah. in open space. Yeah. So like the, the question isn't can Delpit tackle? It's okay. How bad exactly is Delpit <laughs> tackling? Because there's, I can live with it up to a point. Hmm. And it's just very difficult to say exactly where that point is. I think it's like a, if it's a shade lower than McLeod because McLeod has had really spotty tackling issues that show up from time to time in streaks, and that's been annoying. If it's a if it's a if it's a tick under that, I'm out. Like I'm I'm. See, that's the thing out. is like I think that that Delpit is a worse tackler than McLeod, well. but. <laughs> I think, but how how many times have you seen McLeod make a pass breakup outside the hashes? The last one I can remember is 2018 week two against Tampa, right? Like this is what Delpit can do. Yeah. It's the passing. So like, this is why it kills me because I, I, my greatest fear is sitting here and saying to, you know, like what everybody's currently saying, right? In, in evaluation circles, which is like Delpit can't tackle. He's going to fall out around one and the tackling issues a problem. And if he can't tackle, whatever, like defense coordinators, and then he's going to go out and have three picks his first year for playing the roof, which is like insane production for being a single high safety. It's what allows you to be plus one in the box. Shout out Jim Schwartz. Like Delpit is the solution because McKinney cannot do that. He's right. not fast enough. Right. He doesn't have the range. I just, it's so valuable to have that player. And so like my greatest fear is like, Nobody cares about any of the tackles that Delpit ends up missing across his 
twelve year NFL career because he's because he's out there, you know, cutting in front of eighteen yard dagger dig routes Mm. with unbelievable field vision instincts, which he has demonstrated across a storied three year career at LSU. And he's making huge high impact plays. No one's gonna care. So it's it's, it's very very difficult. I probably lean McKinney okay. because I I tend to be a a coward drafter. I'll let another guy take the risk. Yeah. Right. Then that's just me personally. But like, if the Eagles take Delpit, I know that the the Twitter streets will be a flutter, and I will be the first one to defend the pick. Yeah. Even though it freaks me out in my bones. And you're gonna get added every single time he misses a tackle. It's gonna be hilarious. Yeah, Freaking worse. <laughs> All right, all right. I, I, I'm with you. I, I I get that argument a lot, and like I said, I understand the the missed tackle issue to a point because of the shoulder surgery, the collarbone. He like he broke his collarbone, right? That's what it was. And then he had surgery yeah, so on he it. Had a, yeah, he had a broken collarbone and a shoulder surgery, and since then he doesn't like hitting people with his left shoulder. We'll take a look at more of this uh, safety class as we go through this process. But Ben, I think that's going to do it for the show. I think we did the thing. Good job doing the thing. Say goodbye to the gentle listeners about this thing. That doesn't make any sense. Most things you say don't. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the final Kiss and Soul Life show ever, because apparently <laughs> I'm betraying Mike tomorrow, and I don't really know what that entails still, um, but it's what I'm going to do. So thank you for listening. This mic. is episode 177, 183, 112. What, what is this? 176. This is, the exact, this is exactly what I said. Yeah. 176. Christ, the Christian Kirksey, Grant Delpit, Alshon Jeffrey, Rasul Douglas, Sidney Jones pod. Mm. A smattering of five players that clearly and and Dak Prescott, Mari Cooper for yeah. some reason. That's the uh, title. I'm gonna make the title as long as I can, as long as megaphone will allow me to make this title. <laughs> I will put in all the of the players. names. Just go straight after SEO. <laughs> uh, so no, but thank you for listening to the show. We really appreciate it. Kiss and Soul Act show in the off season. We hope that you get uh, your best and most detailed, and informative Eagles news, whether it's draft, free agents, or general off season approach from us. If you did enjoy the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on whatever app you listen to your podcast. We had a. a Firstly, we had a fun review the other day because somebody titled their review, Would You Draft Amari Cooper at 21? question mark. And uh-huh. the, uh, the the text said, if yes, three exclamation points, then you will easily draft Justin Jefferson in all caps, three exclamation points. And then it says, check their combines. Um, but the thing is, I don't really read the title of the review. So I just read, <laughs> if yes, then you will easily draft Justin Jefferson. And I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> all right. Um, but we also had one where somebody said, after years of listening, I finally decided to rate, and that was a five-star. So thank nice. you, EI78, uh, for that review. If you enjoyed the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe on whatever app you listen to your pods. 1,438 ratings. I think we've definitely passed the total receiving yardage generated by the Eagles receivers at this point. Uh, so please go ahead yeah, hit that up on whatever app you listen to your shows. He's been Michael Kiss on Twitter, at MichaelKissNFL. That's K-I-S-D-I. I've been Benjamin Solak on Twitter, at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K. As we brought down, as we uh, as we discussed, we have league dates and deadlines fast approaching. So as the legal tampering period begins on Monday, as the franchise tag window closes, make sure you're just keeping everything on on the BGN feeds and on BleedingGreenNation.com for all of your Eagles news. Thank you so much for listening. We will catch you later. That was a super long ending. That was longer than usual. It's been a while since I got to end of things. So I had to go over all the info. We all we got. We all we need. Fly Eagles, fly.